0: Thank you, worship team. What a. It's a hard song to follow. That is a beautiful song, isn't it? I love those words. Good morning, church. My name is Stephen Elliott. I'm the pastor of High School Ministries and have the great privilege of preaching this morning um, from Proverbs 7. If you have your Bibles, open to that. This is uh, a few months ago when John. Shared that he was going to be preaching through Proverbs. I was um, love love the book of Proverbs, um, particularly this chapter. I think this is such a um, telling, challenging, convicting chapter. It really clearly lays out temptation and sin and the the long-term effects of it. And um, this this chapter always challenges me. And so I asked John if I could preach from it, and he very graciously said yes. And so that's. Uh, That's what we're going to be be preaching on this morning. Um, We are going to be talking about the um, reality, the call to live a life of sexual purity. Uh, We want to talk this morning, we're going to talk about the reality of sin and temptation, uh, both in our our own life and all around us, and how God's Word calls us um, to move beyond it, how God's Word calls us to have victory over it. Uh, And so I'm I'm excited to, to preach from it. I, again, if you've got your Bibles, Proverbs 7. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to be uh, kind of walking through this, through this chapter. Before we do that, I need to give a few kind of qualifying statements. So bear with me for just a few minutes. There's, there's a few things that I think are very important to, to say and to clarify and to, to be clear about before we, before we actually read through this text and start talking about it. Um, first of all, it is important to realize when talking about the, the topic um, the very real, the very important topic about sex and sexual purity, um, it's important to realize and remember that God created sex for marriage. God created it. God didn't look down on, on, in the Garden of Eden and be like, what are you guys doing down there? Knock that off. That, that, that didn't happen. God created it. God designed us for sex, but he created it for marriage to be experienced and enjoyed solely between a husband and a wife. And sin, sexual immorality, sexual sin happens when we engage in sex outside of those boundaries. And not just the physical action, but when it, it, when it takes place in, in thought, in what we look at, in what we think, in the, the, the things we play through in our mind, what we entertain and play out. Um, and so we, we have to remember that, that when God talks, calls us to, to live lives of sexual purity, he's not just speaking about the physical act. He's talking about every area in our life where we, um, w- where we engage in that outside of the bounds of, of marriage. When I talk about having sexual purity, I'm talking about the direction, not the perfection, because this is an area where we all fail. We all fall short. Um, we, all, we all struggle. This is something that we all have, uh, have, have fought with, thoughts that pop in our mind. But the question is, are we feeding those or are we fighting against them? So sexual purity is not, not perfection. Sexual purity is is the direction. When when things come into our, you know, when, when things come in front of our eyes, when thoughts come into our mind, are we feeding those and engaging those, or are we fighting against those? Are we moving more towards Christ in this area of our life, or are we moving further away from him in this area of our life? We also need to understand and remember that God is not out to ruin our fun. I think that is, a, that is a lie that the world is trying, to, is trying to peddle about Christians, is that, man, you guys serve this God that is just looking for ways to ruin your fun. And you're like, oh, that's fun. Nope. Oh, that looks like fun. Nope, not allowed to do that. And that's just this, God, this giant killjoy that, 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 that God is. And that is not the case. God is not out to ruin our fun, but he's trying to protect us. Warren Wiersbe said this, God created sex not only for reproduction, but also for enjoyment. And he didn't put the marriage wall around sex to rob us of pleasure, but to increase pleasure and to protect it. A few more things that that's important to say. Maybe this isn't an area of struggle for you. Maybe that was, you know, a long time ago, but not not so much now. Maybe you kind of you know, gotten mastery over that area of your life? And if so, that's awesome. But we have to realize that sin, this side of eternity, sin is always something that will plague us. And so if this isn't an area of temptation for you, if this isn't an area of struggle for you, praise God. But re- just fill in the blank. This morning with this message, just, just fill in the blank with what, with what is. Is it pride? Is it idolatry? Is it, is it a hobby that has like pushed God off the throne of your life, and now that hobby or that habit or, you know, that person is now sitting front and center on the throne of your life. Whatever the sin is, just fill in the blank this morning. And also, it's still, even if this is not an area of struggle for you, as I'm going to read some statistics in a second, this is a very real issue for a lot of people in our world. I would say most people in our world, and it is only getting worse. And so it's important that we talk about these issues, not only for our own purity, for our own sanctification, but also for those around us. And so we, as a church, need to be equipped to know how to deal with this, to know how to, how, what, like what God's word says about it, to know how, how we can help a brother or sister in Christ along if they are tempted, if they are caught up in sin. And so um, the, the reality is, is that we need to be paying attention to this message. Um, again, not only because it's a real issue in our world, but also because God's word speaks about it. God's word speaks often, frequently, and openly about, about God's design and desire for, for sexual purity in our own lives, and so we need to be aware of it. I heard a quote this week, and I, I thought it was a great quote. I thought it was perfectly appropriate, or, or the perfect the timing was perfect. Um, the, the quote was is, "Satan doesn't care what your eyes are on as long as they're not on Jesus. Satan doesn't care what your eyes are on as long as they're not on Jesus." So again, if this area isn't an area of temptation in your life, what sin is? Because Satan really doesn't care. If, if, if he's not tripping you up in the area of sexual immorality, he is perfectly fine to just fill that with pride. Or to just, you know, if it's not, you know, it, whatever you're looking at on the computer screen, if it's not, if it's not pornography, if, if it's, you know, just online shopping that has your full attention and focus and time, Satan is perfectly fine with that. Whatever takes you out of the game, whatever you know, squanders your effectiveness for the kingdom, Satan is perfectly fine with that. And so we need to be paying attention to this. Last thing is that the, the point of this message isn't just quit looking at that. Quit thinking those thoughts. Quit doing those things. Just... Like, stop. You know, by your own power and in your own, by your own willpower, just knock that off, you sinner. That, that is not the point of this message. The point of this message is that God has designed and desires something incredible for us. And he calls us to embrace that. The, the point of this message is that God has forgiven us. That in Christ we have life. And that what, what scripture says is that once we were slaves to sin, but we, if you have given your life to Christ, you are slaves to sin no longer. And so stop running back to that old life. And in the power of the Holy Spirit and by God's grace, through the cross, run back to Christ where there is forgiveness and life. And through his strength, you have the ability, Christian, to do that. That's the point. That's the, that's the, that's the message that I want to get across this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord, this is not who you are called to be if you are caught up in this sin. By God's grace, run from this sin and find true life and forgiveness in Christ. The point, if I was to to summarize Proverbs 7, is is this. uh, The the main point, if I was to to summarize it, boil it down, is is simply this. That we need to be a people who pursue sexual purity as if our lives depend on it. Because it absolutely does. Pursue sexual purity as if your life depends on it. Because it does. Listen, if you've got your Bibles open, look at, look at real quick verse 2, Proverbs 7. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my commandments and live. The writer of Proverbs starts out this chapter by saying, listen to these words because this is where life is. And the opposite, if you go to the very end, if you go to the very last verse of Proverbs 7, it says, her house is the way to, talking, this is talking about um, like sexual immorality. Her house is the way to Sheol going down to the chambers of death. What, what the writer is bookending this chapter with is life and death. This is a real situation and it is very important for us to take it seriously. There are some staggering statistics. Uh, there's, this, there's this website called Fight the New Drug and it, uh, it is, a, is a non-profit, non-religious uh, Organization all against you know focusing completely on uh, eliminating and, and making raising awareness of of the, the reality of pornography in our world. Uh, it's a again it's non-religious and so I encourage you to to, to look and to read some of the statistics. Um, but there are hundreds and hundreds of billions of views. Every single day of pornography. Pornography is, has more media or has more coverage, more people consume pornography than, than, than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix combined. It is a staggering, staggering statistic, and we need to be aware of it. All right, let's read through Proverbs 7. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, "You are my sister," and call insight your your intimate friend, to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Pause right there, really quick. It's important to. I want. I want one one more qualifying statement. I want to make is that throughout this chapter. We're gonna we're gonna be introduced to, to this young man and to this she's you know called the adulteress the temptress um, she's basically a prostitute um, it's important to realize that what the writer is not saying here is that men are the innocent but foolish but innocent victims and women are the cunning conniving temptresses that is that is not at all what what the writer is saying, he's using a literary device where he's taking these, these ideas or these actions and he's assigning them a, a character in a story to communicate an idea. Because actually, if you read through Proverbs 1 through 9, there's these two ladies, and Proverbs 8 is primarily about this one lady, but there's these two ladies, Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom, and we're introduced to them all throughout Proverbs 1 through 9, um, and, so, and so I, I want to make sure that that is really clear as we read through this. Verse 6 For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youth a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home, now in the streets. Now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him. And with a bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored with linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her, as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver." As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. I think there's a few, there's so much, so much here that, that this text says. There's a lot of lessons for us as the church to take away from. And I'm going to start walking through. I'm going to, I'm going to lay out several of the lessons, some of the, some of the important, important things that we need to understand. Um, I want to talk about some of the lies that, script, that, that this passage points out of sexual sin. And then I want us to look at what, what is our response supposed to be? First of all, We need to understand, look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. The first point, if you're taking notes, is this. Parents, take the sexual purity of your children seriously. Verse 1. My sons. My son, keep my words. Treasure up my commandments with you. What do we have here? This story opens up with a dad pulling his son in and saying, son, listen. Listen to the words that I am telling you because they are life. Listen to the the things I am giving you to live your life by. Listen to my commandments. It's a dad pulling his son in. Parents, we need to be talking to our kids about sexual purity. This is so important. Parents, you need to be the primary person that your kid can come to with their questions. If they come to you and you are like, oh, ah, don't, don't ask me that question, you are doing your child a massive disservice because they will stop asking you the questions that they have and they will start turning to the world. Are you talking, parents, are you talking to your children about sex? If you're younger, like if, like, like if, you're, if your child's younger, like mine, are you, if they're younger, are you and your spouse forming a plan now? Are you and your spouse having those conversations now? Are you praying for wisdom now? Not only that God would protect them in this area, but that God would equip you as you disciple them. Maybe, maybe you have, like, maybe you should have been talking to your kids three, four, five years ago about this. Maybe this has been taboo in your home for far too long. The, the, the point of this whole message and the, and the point of the gospel is that, the, that there are second chances. So start now. Talk to your kids tonight and sit them down and say, listen, this is awkward, but, and I should have had this conversation with you four years ago, and I'm sorry for that, but we're going to start talking now. I've done you a disservice by, by not making this a home where we can have these conversations, where a home where it's awkward to talk to us about this, and that's not going to be the case any longer. I'm committing to a new way where we're going to talk about this, where we're going to look at God's word together. Are we telling them what scripture says about sex? I am convinced, and I want to read this because I was very intentional about what I wrote. I am convinced that the greatest danger to our youth's sexual purity is not the fact that our society is saturated with sexual immorality, but it's the fact that Christian parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, and churches are not doing anything to teach against it and to, and to teach and model true sexual purity in their own lives. Sadly, far too often, these influential, key influential figures are even allowing, if not encouraging their children towards sexual immorality with unclear house rules. Allowing, encouraging, purchasing immodest clothing having unlimited and unchecked internet usage in their home, and allowing dating of non-believers. Parents, we've got to stop, because God's word calls us to be the primary disciplers of our children in this area. And in church, we've got to come around and disciple and equip and help and encourage our parents in this area. Because our culture, the enemy, is at war for the souls of our children in this. We have to take this seriously. The second lesson we've got to, I oh, almost broke the clicker. Second lesson is this beware of innocent curiosity. Whoa, too many clicks. Go back one. Beware of innocent curiosity. Look at verses 8 and 9. Look at verses 8 and 9. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight in the evening at the time of night and darkness. What's going on here? Is this young man, and he, you know, these are, these are small towns. People know, we know what's going on here. This guy walks down her street near her house at evening time. Do you think this guy is innocent? Do you think this guy has no clue what's going on, what goes on at her house, what she is all about? No, he's curious. He's, he's, he's curious about what is going on, and he's just taking a stroll at evening time when she's out and about. When temptation is there, he's just curious. And so often, we have this terrible habit of making sin, of, of falling headlong into sin by labeling it with curiosity. Just, I, I, wonder, well, I wonder what this video is all about. Oh, I, I, wonder, I wonder what this... You know, with this person's, you know, Facebook or Instagram pages, I wonder what, the, what this picture is all, you know, oh, this is just a YouTube video, I wonder what this is, or, oh, I know this video, I know this movie has these scenes in it, but we'll just, you know, when, when they show up, we'll just skip past them. No, no problem. Like, I, I, I'm really interested in this, this documentary, even though I know that this, you know, this stuff is not it, but it's fine, we'll just, we'll just skip past it. This innocent, what we label innocent curiosity is killing us. And we have to be honest with ourselves and stop lying to ourselves that we, you know, that, that we don't know what's going on. This guy is telling himself this lie, like, oh, I, it's fine. He's seeing how close he can get to the edge without going over. He's got to be honest with himself and stop lying to himself and realize what he is really there for. We need to beware of innocent curiosity because it is not innocent. We are falling headlong into sin with our innocent curiosity we know we knowingly put ourselves into those situations number three is that we need to stay on guard wherever we go stay on guard wherever we go look at look at verses 11 and 12 <clears throat> it says she is loud and wayward her feet do not stay at home now in the street now in the market at every corner she lies in wait maybe this is an area of your life where you do not struggle maybe you know maybe you have masters maybe you could like hand someone your phone and be like look at my my browsing history. Look at what I look at. You know, I have, I have like, you know, I, I'm getting. Contro- I've got control in this. I've got accountability. I'm using wisdom. I'm, you know, I am trying to live purely, sexually purely, for the Lord and for my family, for my church. That does n- We should never let our guard down because we fight a very cunning foe. The enemy is really cunning, and he is always out to get us. Always out to drag the name of Christ down. And so we need to always be on guard. Realize that there is. Always temptation around us and just be aware of that and always be praying, God, by your strength and through your grace, get, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, help me to avoid temptation. When, when those temptations come in front of me, give me the strength to turn my eyes. When those thoughts pop in my head, give me the strength to, to get control of my thinking, to take my thoughts captive and to change my thinking against some, towards something else. Stay on guard wherever you go. Three lies of sexual sin I want to talk about. Three lies of sexual sin. The first one is this. You deserve this. Look at verses 13 through 17. Look at, look at what she says. She seizes him and kisses him. I had to offer sacrifices, and today I've paid my vows. And then she lays out this. I've, I've made my bed for you. My, my house is ready. It's all for you. We tell ourselves this lie, and it's, I think it's oftentimes when we're in, when we're in vulnerable places where, where circumstances aren't what they're supposed to be. Maybe in your marriage it is not what you are thinking it's, it's, you know, it's not panning out the way you thought it was. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe things aren't going great at work. I think we often tell ourselves this lies in vulnerable places. And we use sexual immorality and we justify it with, I deserve this. You know, things are just so difficult at work. I'm just so stressed. I'm just going to give in in this one area. I, I work so hard. I, just, I deserve this little thing. And we tell ourselves this lie that we deserve this. God does not allow exceptions to the things that he calls sin. You, do, you deserve this is a lie, and we can't believe it. Number two is this will satisfy. Look at verse 18. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight. Let us delight ourselves with love. I love this. Let us take our fill of love. And it I, I cracks me up because she calls it love, Right? And she's, it'll, it'll fill us up, delight us till morning. He, she's painting this picture like this will completely satisfy. And we tell ourselves this lie that just this, this one more video, this, you know, if I, it's, if I just, you know, thinking these thoughts, no big deal. Nobody knows about this. It'll completely satisfy. It'll take the edge off. It'll, you know, it'll, it'll satisfy. It'll just make me happy. It is a lie and we can't believe It, it Giving into sin never satisfies. I don't care what the sin is, it never satisfies. It always leaves us desiring more. The third one, nobody will know, so nobody will get hurt. Verses 19 and 20, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him, and at full moon he'll come back. My husband's not here. He's on a business trip, and he won't be back for a month. What is she saying to him? Nobody's going to know, so nobody will get hurt. Church, I think this is, this is probably one of the most devastating lies that more people believe in, and, and devastates more people is because they think it's innocent. They think, oh, if I can just, I play out these thoughts in my mind, I play out this movie in my head, I watch these videos, I, I look at this, I'm, I'm, you know, just engaging with casual flirting with a coworker. it's innocent. Nobody's going to know, nobody's going to get hurt, and that is a lie that will cost you your life. Look at how he, he follows up right after that. He's saying... He's saying all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter till an arrow pierces his liver. He's saying, look what's going to happen from this. It's a lie. If you're telling yourself, friend, if you are telling yourself these things to justify sexual sin, watch out because you are falling into a deadly trap. The enemy has you right where he wants you. You are being tempted and it is not safe there. So church, how do we respond? How do we respond to this? How do we respond to not only not only the, the sin and the lust and the temptation in our own hearts, but how do we respond to, to just the world we live in that is saturated with this? Again, maybe this isn't an area for you, but, but we all live in this world, and we are all called to respond in a certain way. And so how do we do that? Number one, listen. Oh, oh I, there we go. My bad. Back that up, would you guys? Could you, pull that guy, could you pull that up? Sorry, I thought I had those individualized. I'll just give them to you if you're taking notes. Number one, verse 24, listen to the words of life. If you're taking notes, verse 24, listen to the words of life. What does he say? And now, O sons, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Thanks, guys. Listen to the words of life. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. What What is he doing? He's bringing his sons back in, and he's saying, you've seen this example. You've seen the danger. You've seen the reality. Bring it back in. Listen, guys. Listen again to me. Friends, you hold in your hand the inspired, authoritative Word of God, which shows us how we are to live our lives, which shows us right from wrong, which points us to Christ where there is grace and true life. And so let us listen to these words where there is true life. We need to fill our mind and our eyes with this. We need to fill our time with this. We should be so consumed spending so much time reading God's word and serving his church that we don't even have time to give into sexual sin. I'm convinced that one of the the other great lies and problems and areas of temptation is when we just have simply too much time on our hands. How did King David first fall into sin? In the springtime, when all the kings go off to war, David sent his general. David stayed home. And he was, in the evening time, he was just walking up on his roof, looking out over his land, and there's Bathsheba. He had way too much time on his hand. When he should have been busy doing the work of the Lord, he was taking it easy. Friends, we need to consume our lives, consume our time, putting this in front of us, putting this in our heart, not the things of this world. So we need to listen to the words of life. Number two is stop the subtle compromise. Verse 25 Listen to this. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. He doesn't say don't leap into her paths. Don't like run headlong right in front of her. Don't stray into her paths. Friends, I've heard it said, and it's, great, it's very true, is sexual sin, and, in, and really any sin, does not happen suddenly. It happens gradually. Nobody falls into sin, but you slide subtly into it. We need to realize that there are subtle compromises where we're making exceptions here. We're just compromising in this area. It's just these thoughts. It's just this. No, you know, no one's going to know. It's just these little bitty compromises. And those things start to add up to where we are slowly moving away from Christ instead of towards him. So we need to stop the subtle compromises. The next one is take inventory of sin's victims. Take inventory of sin's victims. Look at verse 26. He says, For many a victim has she laid low... And all her slain are a mighty throng. I, inve- I envision this, this dad is like, he, he points around, he's like, sons, look at the bodies. Look at, look at the damage that is done everywhere. Look at all the people that have been destroyed by this. And he, I, I'm not saying take inventory of sins victims by, as a way of pride. Like, <laughs> you sinners, I... I've got this area, okay, I'm, I'm so much better than you in this area. That is not at all what I'm saying. We need to take inventory of sin's victims We need to be, by being honest and, and real about the fact that we could be a victim too, that we are very susceptible in this area of our life, and so we need to realize that we are not out of danger, that we have a sinful nature We have a fallen world, and we have an enemy that are all out to get us, that are all out to drag down the name of Christ. And so we need to fight. We need to be aware of it. We need to take inventory of sins victims and say, God, by your grace, through your power, don't let me become one of those. Help me, Lord. Forgive me for where I've fallen. I I don't want to, to, to ruin and damage your name. Next one is we need to see the result of sexual sin. We need to see the result of sexual sin. Look at verse 27. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. First, I think it's important we look around and just realize, man, so many have fallen into this area. So many families have been ruined because of addictions to pornography. So many families have been ruined by affairs. So many churches have been crushed by leaders falling into this area of life. We need to re- be aware of that. But we also need to be aware and play, out the, like, play it out in our own minds of what would happen if I start to give this. That's, that's what I mean by see the result of sexual sin. And this is what wisdom does in all of Proverbs, where it, it takes the, the, the action now and it plays out the consequences long term. That's what, that's what wisdom is. And so we need, to, we need to do that in the area of sexual sin. We need to realize, okay, if I give in here, If I start compromising in this little area, that will lead to this, and that will lead to this. That will lead to people finding out. That will lead to relationships ruined. That will lead to a church devastated, families, children, grandchildren ruined because of my sin and my selfishness right now. We need to play out, see the result of sexual sin. If you are toying with sin in this area, start playing out the consequences of how it will impact you, your marriage, your kids, your grandkids. See the result of this sin. The next is we need to take extreme action to eliminate sin from your life, from our lives. Take extreme action to eliminate sin from your life. And in Matthew 5, Jesus is talking about this in the Sermon on the Mount, and, he, and he's, saying, he's saying, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. What is he saying? He's saying, If you have sin in your life, regardless of what it is, take extreme action to eliminate it. Stop messing around with it because it is deadly. So what does that look like in this this area of life? I think, number one, if if this is an area where you are struggling, where you are caught up, maybe like the enemy is getting a foothold, or maybe the enemy has set up camp for years in, in this area of your life. Taking extreme action... It means that you got to tell someone. you got to be honest about this. Well, actually, first of all, you need to confess it to God. You need to confess and repent and fall headlong into the grace and loving forgiveness of Christ who wants us to ask him for forgiveness. And then number two is we need to talk to somebody about it. You need to be honest. Find someone that you trust, that you respect. I would encourage the same gender and talk to them about this area and be honest. I would encourage you, there are accountability apps that, you can, that, that basically where you have an accountability partner and they see everything that you're looking at. I, I imagine you would browse the internet a little differently if you know that someone's going to get a report every week of what, the, of what it is you're looking at. Those, is that extreme? Absolutely it is. Is it necessary and worth it? Absolutely it is. Take extreme action to eliminate sin from your life. One other thing, I guess, I guess on this, or I, I should have mentioned it earlier, is... Like, stop now. Listen to the story. And this man had multiple times when he should have stopped. There were multiple instances where he was, he was walking down the street. And he should have stopped. Like, he shouldn't have even done that, but he did. When he was walking down the street, he should have stopped and said, no, 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 what am I doing here? And just gone the other direction. Then he gets close to her house, and she comes out to me. And he should have been like, whoa, 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 nope, not for me, and turned around, but he didn't. Then she starts talking to him. And he was like, he should have stopped then and said, no, no, not, not for me. Then she, she kisses him. She talks about her husband. And she just said, whoa, whoa, off limits. But he keeps moving forward. Then he goes into her house, and it's too late. The damage is done. Friend, it, wherever you are at, stop moving in that direction and turn around. Will there be consequences? Will there be some awkwardness? Will, be, will there be some hard conversations you have to have? Absolutely there will be. But it, it's not too late. By God's grace, it is not too late. There is forgiveness, so stop now. Run the other direction. Wherever you are at, get help and run da- back towards Christ. And that's, your last, that's, your, that's the last thing I want you to write down, is run from sin, run towards Christ. Run from sin and run towards Christ, where there is forgiveness, where there is true life, Where where we are operating, where we are finally operating, where we can be free from sexual sin and experience sexual purity like God desired and designed us to to function. Where there is forgiveness and grace. Friend, leave that. Scripture says that we were once slaves to sin, but we are slaves no longer. Why are we going back to what what we once were? Scripture says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Why are we going back to that? We need to leave that behind. By God's grace, I know I'm saying this, but I want to drive this home. There is forgiveness. I think that is one of the lies the enemy tells us is, like, you sinner, it's too late. No one's going to forgive you. That is a lie. Don't believe that. There is forgiveness. By God's grace, run from sin and run towards Christ. That sin was paid for. Leave it behind. Start following Christ and know the forgiveness that he offers you. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious God. Father, none of us Father, none of us stand before you by our own merits. None of us stand before you, worthy by our own actions. God, we are all broken sinners who stand here because of you, God. We have the ability to approach you, to have relationship and forgiveness with you, by the cross. And so God, I pray. I pray and ask that if there's anyone here who's, who's, who's living two lives, that is allowing sin, whatever sin it is, God, to take hold in their life, God, by your grace, through your spirit, would they for- know that they are forgiven? Would they repent and turn back to you and know true life in you? God, we thank you so much for the cross which gives us life. We pray this all in the precious and only name of Jesus Christ, amen.